grab your Bibles, put them over your heart, and say this with me. This is God's written living word to me. What he thinks about me. It reveals who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. Therefore, I am transformed. Amen. We are bringing to a close a series that we have been in called Non-Evangelism, How to Introduce People to Jesus. And this morning I want to talk to you about casual conversations, supernatural outcomes. And uh, if we haven't already, this, let's lower this to low, uh, this swamp cooler up front here, is it? We'll go to low on it. Okay, great. And, and if you don't mind, I, I just feel casual this morning. I just kind of feel like digging in and uh, taking it easy and just being casual with you this morning, which seems to just be sort of the whole flow of what God also wants to say to us about casual conversations and supernatural outcomes. Uh, Many of you may not be familiar with the vision, the mission of Genesis. And so I'd like to show it to you and let's read through it. Could we please, Jeff? Could we together say this? Ready? Read. To lead people into a growing faith in Jesus Christ. A gathering where God's presence is experienced in love and power. That's what we are about as a church. That's our mission. That's our overarching commitment. We consider it a win. When in any meeting or gathering, that is realized. People are brought a little closer in their faith. They've grown some in their faith and they've experienced God's presence. Both the love and the power of it. Could we have that next slide? This is what we call our ethos. Ethos is a Greek word that means to distinguish in character or the guiding beliefs of a group. So our ethos is to belong, believe, and become. We want, with everything we are about, in every gathering, regardless of what it's for, to create a sense of belonging so that people can be comfortable before they've even determined what they believe and whether or not they want to become. We want you to have a sense of belonging here at Genesis. Our text this morning is found in John's Gospel and the fourth chapter. This is the most incredible, fun, casual, interesting, loving, compelling view of Jesus in all of the Bible. This is Jesus being fun, casual, interesting, loving, compelling. All in one chapter. It's really incredible. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Weist's translation, which we do not have on the computer in the back. So the next closest thing to it, you'll be seeing the New Living Translation. And so, you know, the words will be a bit different here and there. But uh, follow along and listen carefully to especially some of the nuances of what we want to explain here. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Let's read the first three verses. Then, when the Lord came to know that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was constantly making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he abruptly went away from Judea and went off into Galilee. Notice Part of what Jesus did daily was make disciples. That speaks to us. Part of what every follower of Jesus does is make disciples. In fact, 
I really believe that God wants every Christian gathering. Let, let me rephrase this. I really believe that God wants every gathering of Christians that's life-giving and centered in Jesus to grow. Now, the reason I didn't say I believe Jesus wants every church to grow is because there's lots of churches that are not life-giving. There's lots of churches that are not centered in Jesus. And uh, frankly, I'm not sure that, uh, that there's blessing or growth planned. But every gathering, the, the actual word that Jesus used when he said, I will build my church, is ecclesia, gathering. Every gathering that's honoring Jesus centered on his teaching and his life-giving. I believe God wants it to grow numerically. Let me give you four reasons why. Number one, it's a biblical pattern. Listen to these verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Have you ever asked yourself who was counting? In order to report that, Somebody had to count. I thought we weren't supposed to be interested in counts. Just let God do it, you know. Don't, don't ever count anything. Don't make a big deal out of that. Well, I don't know. They counted here. They counted here. 3,000 souls were added. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed... And the number of men came to 5,000. Somebody else was counting. So now it's gone from 3,000 initially. It's gone to 5,000 people. That's a pretty big church. <clears throat> By all standards, we consider that a mega church. Because the average church in America is 75 people. The average church in America is 75 people. So 5,000 is a pretty good number, and especially back then. That was enormous. Chapter 5, verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. Well, now, if numbers weren't important, why were they keeping track of them? Why were they reporting them? Why did the Holy Spirit have the writer of the book of Acts record these details if numbers just should never be tracked, we should never be interested in them, we should... Now, I told you I was going to give you four reasons why I believe God wants every Christian gathering that's life-giving and centered in Him and His teaching to grow. Let me give you now the three reasons why keeping track and, and having some idea of the success of your numbers are important. Ready? Number two. Jesus stated in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, that He would build the church. He would build His gathering. Well, if He's building it, that makes it pretty important to keep track of what he's doing. And then he commanded us in chapter 28 of Matthew in verse 19 to participate with him in making disciples. So I will build my church, Jesus said, and then he gives us a command. I want you to make Christ followers. The third reason that it's important, that God wants the gathering to grow, is that it's the natural outcome of spirit-led ministry. We're going to see that in chapter 4 of our text. Number 4, because God loves people. And people are numbers, and numbers are people. God loves people, and people matter to God. You know the verse. I know, I'm not sure if we're going to have it on the screen here. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his own son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
So what we have in John's Gospel, in the fourth chapter, is one of the most incredible demonstrations of how to casually interact with somebody who is not yet a Christ follower. Are any of you interested in knowing that? Would it be helpful to anybody here in the room to know how to just casually, in an everyday way, just easy, interact with somebody who's not yet a Christ follower? Would you be inclined to maybe follow the command of Jesus to make disciples more intentionally if there was simply a, a casual way to do that that was just simple? Jesus gives us that here. So let's look, starting in verse 4. And I'm going to be going back and forth between my notes and the Weiss translation now. Verse 4 of our text. Now it was necessary in the nature of the case for him to be going through Samaria. He comes therefore to a city of Samaria called Sychar, or Sychar, near the small plot of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now there was in that place a spring, the one which had belonged to Jacob, then Jesus, having become wearied to the point of exhaustion by reason of his journey, was sitting thus at the spring, and the hour was about the sixth. I think it might be news, somewhat of a revelation, <laughs> to be reading from our Bibles that Jesus got weary to the point of exhaustion. Have you ever considered that Jesus, God incarnate flesh, got weary, got to the end of his day and was tired, exhausted? How many of you have ever been exhausted? How many of you in that state of exhaustion, you didn't want to pray, you didn't want to go to gathering, you didn't want to read your Bible, you didn't want to call anybody and witness, you didn't want to do anything Christian. <laughs> in, in fact, most would choose to get some sort of food and drink and either put on a movie or one of your favorite television shows. Right? I mean... And aren't you glad for DVRs? <laughs> Wasn't that a God idea? I mean, that like has revolutionized and made TV viewing finally spirit-filled. <laughs> I can cut out all the commercials and get just to the good stuff. Now, my wife, she hates award shows. I love award shows. I love to see who's in and who's out. I love to see if what I'm listening to is in or out. And I, I love to see the dress, you know, how they're all dressed and the red carpet. I love to see who's going to say something stupid, I mean really dumb, and who's going to be fairly intelligent when they give their <laughs> acceptance speak, speech and say something, you know, that I can kind of... I, I love all of that. I just, I love the variety. Now, Nina, on the other hand, cannot stand it. She will leave the room. So, because of this God invention called DVR, I can tape it. I can record it. And then she can keep watching the television that she wants to watch, and then I'll come back around. And I can sift through all the commercials, and I can, go, I can blow through the individuals that are receiving awards that I don't care about. How many of you don't care about all of them? How many of you know that especially in the, 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 the ones that uh, like for the country music awards and the, and the Grammys and the different ones that have you, all the musical artists don't interest you and, and you want to blow right through there. Like hip hop and rap, I, I'm sorry for Manuelito Garcia's, I, I don't get hip hop, I don't, I don't get rap and I know some of you like live for it. I was so irritated the other day. Some guy in a sort of a low rider, it was like a, a Honda. Was it 
something. I don't know. It could have been. Could have been Vince. You know, had the back pumped up a little bit and the front lowered down. He had some dingle balls hanging from the, the, the mirror, you know, some dyed big dice or something. I don't know what they were. I heard that guy from blocks coming. Boom, 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 boom. There, you don't hear any treble. I mean, there's no, you can't hear the words. All you hear is the bass. It's like blowing out windows on the street. So obnoxious. And it's always, it's always rap or hip-hop. You know, all of that came after the fall. Came, came, came after the fall. Hip-hop and rap came after the fall. Now, Led Zeppelin's different. Led Zeppelin was a revelation in the mind and heart of God. But it... What, <laughs> What's so incredible about the DVRs, you can skip past the ones you don't like, you know, and watch the ones you like. It's just great. So Jesus got to this well. You didn't think I was going to get back there, did you? <laughs> now, Jesus didn't have DVR. Imagine that. But it says he was exhausted. And so he just planted himself and began to rest and his disciples the Bible says the text says his disciples split they went into town to buy dinner that's what the Bible says so I'm I'm captured in verse 6 by this thought now there was in that place a spring I believe we need to pray for divine direction in our now circumstances our appointments for the day, our tasks, our meetings, because God's going to use it as a spring. And I mean, you might be exhausted. Last thing on your mind is loving somebody or sharing the Lord. But you know, God can take even that and turn that into a spring where his presence will move and come on the heart of the individuals involved. Verse 7 says, now, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus says to her, give me to drink. Did you know that there is a conversation starter in every circumstance you're in through the day? Everybody you're with, every circumstance, if, if you just listen and if you've prayed, God guide me today, lead me today, open doors. There's a conversation starter in every circumstance. And it doesn't have to be about the Bible. <laughs> Jesus started one here and it was about water. There was no Bible. There was no New Testament. And this woman from Samaria certainly wasn't carrying one. This wasn't a gospel meeting. It was a Jesus opportunity in the circumstance to reveal his love and his care for this woman. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone off into the city in order that they might buy some food in the market. And the Samaritan woman then said to Jesus, how is it that you, being a Jew, are asking a drink from me, being a woman of Samaria, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And you'll read in a couple of verses, not only do Jews not associate with Samaritans, but men do not talk to women, and they certainly don't engage them alone. Not back then and not in that culture. So she brings up this very interesting thing. She says, for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. That is right out of the Christian handbook that you and I have been taught as Christians all our lives of don't associate with worldly people. Right out of that handbook. Did you know that came all, that, that, that same handbook was used all the way back then, religiously, by people who thought wrongly and didn't understand the true love of God. They had a religious mind about God, but they had never met Jesus. See, Jesus changes everything that you think about religion. 
I have no idea when I started. Does anybody have an idea when I started? I have a little clock up here and I didn't turn it on. You don't care? No. <laughs> I mean, does anybody have any idea? About 1050? Wow, Josiah, that's a long worship service, brother. <laughs> no, not really. Not really. Not really. Oh, man, that was an awesome worship service, man. I've never heard, I don't know if I've heard so much music and harmony come from four people on the stage. That sounded awesome. You can do that every week. will be just fine. <laughs> Don't associate with those Samaritans. See, that, that's what Christians do. We draw circles. We have boundaries. We have our camps. And if you're not a follower, you know, you're on the outside of our circle. You're on the outside of our camp. If you're, if you're not a Christian. And it's interesting how that Jesus engages this Samaritan woman starts a conversation about water and isn't afraid to talk to a woman and to engage a Samaritan who culturally he should be having nothing to do with. Jesus will break all of your religious traditions in order to love somebody. Always begin with the gospel of inclusion and hope and loving people without judgment. He started on something familiar. He started with including her in his camp. He loved her without judgment, and he just brought her in. Look, verse 10. I love this, verse 10. If you knew the gratuitous gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me to drink, you would in that case have asked him and he would have given to you water which is alive. Now I want you to think about this. Look, if you knew the gratuitous gift of God, here he's talking to an unbeliever about God's grace. Here he's talking to a woman who he shouldn't even be engaging with and then a Samaritan who Jews don't have anything to do with religiously. They stay away from him. And he's talking about a gratuitous gift that God wants to give her apart from her, apart from her worthiness, apart from her being in anybody's circle or belonging or anything like that. He opens the floodgate. He just opens it up wide and says, look, God loves you so much that without you earning it or having any worth in and of yourself that would make God want to give it to you, or that he should, he owes it to you. He's just going to gratuitously give you a gift. And he continues. And who it is who is saying to you, give me to drink, you would have in that case have asked him and he would have given to you the water which makes you alive. And Jesus hadn't even died yet. Jesus hadn't died for salvation yet. The whole New Testament hadn't been written yet. And here Jesus is talking to an otherwise religious person but outside of the camp and saying, look, God just loves you so much that he wants to gratuitously love you, give the best to you. And, and even though you don't belong, he loves you without judgment and all you have to do is ask and he'll give you water that will make you alive inside and you'll never have to drink again. No Bible, no New Testament, no Romans road, no four spiritual laws. So I was making the point when, I was, when we were interrupted there. As much as I appreciate the four spiritual laws and various of the Roman road, these various tools for witnessing, none of them even compare to the Jesus method here in John chapter 4 of just starting a conversation 
and including people with the gospel. Include, no matter who they are, what kind of lifestyle they have, including them in a message of hope that loves them without judgment and reassures them that God wants to give them a life that's so transformational and it's not dependent upon them or anything they've ever done or them deserving it. That's how he begins with this woman. Isn't that incredible? Verses 16 through 19 now. Well, no, let's not, let's not miss a, a couple of verses here. Verse uh, 11, she says to him, Sir, you do not have anything with which to draw, and the well is deep. From where, therefore, do you have this water, this living water? As for you, you are not greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and he himself drank from it, and his sons and his cattle. Are you? Jesus answered her, Everyone who keeps on drinking of this water will thirst again. But whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall positively not thirst. No, never, but the water which I shall give him shall become in him a spring of water gushing up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water in order that I may not continue... Watch this. That I may not continually be thirsty and that I might not have to keep coming back here and drawing water. You see how she didn't get it? She had no idea what he was really talking about. He was talking about something spiritual, and she's still relating it to the natural. Are you seeing that? She says, give me this water that I won't have to drink again, and I, I am tired of daily having to come out here to this well and draw water. Man, would I love some sort of source for this water where I wouldn't have to do this. She was tired. That would really cut back on her responsibilities. Are you getting this? And Jesus just keeps going, talking to her about this gratuitous gift of grace and love. Did you know it is not important to explain the scriptures to everybody you share with before they can receive God's love. You don't have to get their approval. You don't have to get their believing. Create a sense of belonging first for them. That's what Jesus did here. Then something happens that's just incredible. Starting in verse 16, he says to her, Be going on your way. Call your husband at once and come here. The woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you aptly said, a husband I don't have, for five men you have had, and now he with whom you are presently is not your husband. This truly you have said. And the woman said to him, sir, as I am carefully observing you, I'm coming to the place where I'm seeing you as a prophet. <laughs> That's so great. We're talking about how to start a casual conversation and have a supernatural outcome. So number one is there's always a conversation starter in the circumstances that you're now in. Secondly, move past this associating with people drawing circles and having lines that they have to come across. Get past that. But third is rely on the Holy Spirit. Jesus through a supernatural gift called the word of knowledge, speaks to this woman's life and through a supernatural word says, you're right. You're not, you don't have a husband presently. You're living with the guy you're living with and he's, oh, by the way, he's number six. <laughs> I've heard people teach this passage in a way where it's, now see, what the Lord wants you to do is to be able to speak to people's sin so they'll come to a place of guilt and shame and they'll acknowledge the presence of Jesus. Excuse me? Bringing people to a sense of guilt and shame for the things in their life does not bring the presence of God. We learned last week how that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. 
Jesus did not point out this woman's lifestyle to bring her into a sense of shame and guilt. He pointed it out to magnify how great God's goodness is so that she would acknowledge she was in the presence. She was in the presence. She was in the presence. Listen, dear ones, presence always trumps practice. Presence always trumps your doctrine. Presence always trumps your theology. And Jesus never allowed theology or practice or temple worship or these religious things, many of them good, to enter in and choke the presence. He was after presence. And so supernaturally, he shares a word with this woman. Now she, in verses 20 through 26, uh, develops a spiritual deflection and Jesus draws it right back and he begins to share with her again in verse 27 through 30. And let's pick it up there, verse 27 through 30. And at this junction, his disciples came and kept on wondering because with a woman he was speaking, however, no one said, what are you seeking? Or why are you talking with her? Thereupon the woman abruptly discarded her water jar and went off into the city and said to the men, now that's important. Most translations say she told everyone. What does this one say? Telling everyone. So going back and telling everyone in the village. I've looked this up in the literal. Weiss does a great job here of representing it. I looked it up in the Aramaic, which was the language in which the people spoke at the time. Luke, the writer here, or excuse me, John and Luke, the writers of Acts and the writer of John, spoke in Aramaic. So I looked it up there as well. It literally says what it says here, that she went back and she began to speak to all of the men. Well, now think about it. She was pretty well known in that town, wasn't she? She had been with five other men. The one she was living with now was number six. And Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus didn't point that out. He didn't make that an issue. He just kind of blew right by that, supernaturally sharing with her the love of God and the presence of himself in that moment. And she was so touched by his love and how she was handled. Look at this now. A woman who all her life had been mistreated by men, looked down upon by men, oppressed by men, told that she was less than a man, told that she could never rise to the stature or social status of a man, that you have to submit to men. And so she, she made her way around. She gained her acceptance by sleeping with men. Interesting. She was so touched by the love of God that when she went back to the town, she found all the men and started talking to them. I wonder if she looked up the other five that she had been with previously. <laughs> Come on. Is it only me that thinks this way when I read the Bible? Do you, don't, don't you ever? <laughs> she goes back and finds the men and starts talking with them. Now watch this. Verse 29. Come here or come and see a man who told me all the things I did. Could this be the Christ? Now watch this. They went out of the city and proceeded in a steady stream towards Jesus. And in the meanwhile, his disciples kept on begging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, jump to verse 39. Jeff, help me with that. Verse 39. Moreover, out of that city, many of the Samaritans believed on him because of the report of the woman when she was bearing the following testimony. He told me all the things which I did. Verse 40. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they kept on begging Jesus to abide with them. Stay with us. Stay here in our city, wouldn't you? And he remained there two more days. And many more believed because of his word. 
Verse 42. And they kept on saying to the woman, we don't any longer believe just because of your talk. All right. We ourselves now have heard Jesus, and we know positively this is the true Savior of the world. Isn't that what you want? Let God use you in your daily circumstances to introduce people to his presence, introduce people to his love, and then he'll take over from there. Let people come to their own conviction and certainty about Jesus. Right here. Belong, believe, become. Let people come to their own certainty and conviction about believing and becoming. Our job is simply with everybody to create a sense of belonging. This is about how to have casual conversations with supernatural outcomes. I love this invitation that she gave to the men of the city. Come see. Now, I have a question for you. Can somebody who's just newly saved, I mean, they're still figuring out what they believe, right? This person has just had a conversation with Jesus, is so excited about his love, she runs back and starts talking to all the men she slept with, inviting them, come see. Question, can a newbie invite people to Jesus? I, I thought you had to go to Sunday school, get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, get the right Bible, start coming to church, go to Bible school, Learn the four spiritual laws, right? Even a newbie can bring people to Christ because it's not about how much doctrine you know. It's not about how many scriptures you've memorized. It's just about sharing. Come see. Here's, here's something that the presence has done in my life. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you could have a conversation with just about anybody if you just sort of follow these kind of things? Choose a conversation starter. Get past this religious, don't associate. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. He will give you a word. He'll give you, you know, he'll give you an idea of what to say. And then just use a very simple invitation. Come see. Come see what difference the presence of Jesus has made in my life. God will use your life's influence to touch a whole community. Recently, can I, can I get up? Okay. I know you kind of settled in on me there. And recently, I was playing racquetball at the club where I go in the mornings and, and play. And uh, every, there were three courts. There's three courts in this, this club. And every court was full. There was somebody on every court. In fact, that morning, I think there were like 12 of us. There were four people on three courts playing doubles. And it just so happened that, that when we all, we, we all walked out of our court, sort of finished a game at about the same time, walked out of our courts, and we were all standing there in this, this hallway just chatting it up and there were people laughing and people having a good time and so forth and I'm standing there all sweaty and you know <laughs> gross and I'm, I'm tallying off we're going to keep playing I mean we're not done playing but you know we're in between games in between sets and the spirit of the Lord comes on me and points out a woman down from me in court two standing outside of court two and says go give her a word well, Jesus, <laughs> I don't know her. Go give her a word. Well, what am I supposed to say? Go give her a word. Well, I don't look very good. I'm not fresh and not clean. My breath probably stinks. I'm all sweaty. Go give her a word. Now, here's what I've learned. When God begins to talk to me that way, he rarely gives me much more than maybe 
a starting word. I mean, not like a sentence or a paragraph. He might give me literally a word or two. And it's not until I get in front of the person out of obedience to the Holy Spirit and start speaking that he begins to give me the rest of what to say. So I walked down to this woman and I had overheard some of their conversation out in the hallway of some things that uh, she was dealing with. And so I knew that she was religious, maybe even already a committed Christian. I didn't know for sure. And so God spoke to me and said, start, start talking to her. I gave her a word. She just stood there and her mouth dropped open. She couldn't believe what was happening. And her partner, two other ladies who had been playing with her, just stood in the background and they were real wide-eyed <laughs> like this. <laughs> and I finished giving her a word. And I start to turn, and one of the other ladies says, wait, wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> and I said, I, my name's Jeff. She says, what do you do? I said, well, I pastor a church. I, I didn't want that to even be in the equation. I would have said nothing about it. And she said, well, come here, give me a hug. <laughs> and I go, really? <laughs> We're best friends now. They'll come stand outside our door when I'm playing and look in and watch. We'll go stand outside their door and look and watch. We greet each other real friendly. It's just developed something now. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Mimi's. You all know Mimi's restaurant up here off 144th. There's a bunch of us, probably eight or ten of us, having lunch there around the table. And our waitress had come and served us, serviced our table several times, and the Lord said, give her a word. <laughs> Here we go. And, and so he, he gave me two or three specific words that I was beginning to share with her. Well, Lord, we're in a restaurant. <laughs> That's okay. I'll make a way. So I began to look for a way in which, you know, it wouldn't be so obvious and so forth. Nina, I think you were there, and I don't remember who, who we were with from the church here, but couple of us were there. So I looked for an opportunity and she came up to the table and there was some chatting going on with her and she just real friendly. And I turned to her and I said, I believe that God, I think you were there. I think the Cambrons were there. I believe that God has given me something for you and I'd like to tell you. And she just kind of froze. And I began to just speak this word. And she just began to bawl. I mean, right there, right in Mimi's, right standing next to our table, just began to cry. God always puts us in circumstances. If we will open our heart, pray every day intentionally, and ask God to just open up His purpose and His will to us, God always places us in circumstances where he's wanting to share the good news of hope and inclusion and love without judgment with people. Now in our text, and we won't return to it any further here, but you'll read in these verses, in particular verse 34 through 38, something about Harvest and fields and the laborers. I want to give you four things that I'd like you to write down about harvest and about how you can use casual conversations every day for supernatural results. Because Dear ones, we've got to change our attitude about harvest. We've got to change our attitude about who would be willing to, quote, become a Christian or open their heart to God. or what. We've made this thing so difficult that we don't share because we're either embarrassed or we feel like we don't know enough about the Bible so, so we don't feel equipped or we think like we've got to convert people. Dear ones... Listen to me. You don't need to do any of that. 
to participate in harvest. Here we go. Number one. In those four or five verses there, it says, lift up your eyes. So in other words, turn your expector on. From now on, starting today, and every morning when you wake to start your day, I want you to begin praying, Lord, use me today. We had just prayed that on Sunday morning several weeks ago when it was Monday morning that I was at the club and gave this word to this woman that now has opened her up and I asked her about it later in the weeks to come and she said it's just totally, you know, transformed and met such a need in her life for Jesus. Jesus really spoke to her. Turn your expector on. Number two, be intentional in your witness. Barb, could you help me out? Ushers, Manuel, Tim, could you help me out? I think we have some of these back there. Any of these, Barb, that we have, would we grab them off of the table? Also, one of you grab the, uh, the bags. Uh, uh, someone else grab the loose cards. And I, and I want to tell you what I want you to do here. We have made up cards designed cards specifically for the purpose to make it easy for you to start a conversation or to show the love of God. So number two is be intentional in your witness. It says here in the text, view attentively your fields. You're a laborer. View attentively your fields. So, I want you to keep these kindness and witnessing cards. One's called a kindness card. The other, one's the other two, there's three kindness cards and two witnessing cards. I want you to keep them. And to help you, we, we put one of each. Actually, there's two kindness cards and, and one of each witnessing card, all right, in this little baggie. Now, do not give out dog-eared, bent, you know, shaved, beat-up cards. I, I keep handfuls of these in my car. Yesterday, I was getting, uh, I was getting our dinner at, at uh, Chick-fil-A. And uh, I drove up <clears throat> to, the, to, to the window where you pay, all right? Had already ordered. There were several cars in back of me. And watching in my rear view while we were in line, because there's numerous cars in front of me, I had plenty of time to notice this black vehicle in back of me and what looked like somebody just singly in it. Didn't look like a car full of people, just looked like a single individual. But I didn't really pay attention to it other than to note that. So I got up to the window and I started paying my bill, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, show some kindness. And I thought, oh, perfect, yes. And I started rummaging through my, my, uh, my, my center console, and, and, I, I, and, and I found my kindness cards. And some were bent and dog-eared, you know, because they'd gotten tossed around. And I looked through them, and I found one that wasn't, because I wasn't going to leave one that was dog-eared and bent up. And, and I had already paid my bill. She had handed my credit card back to me and so forth. And before I let her go, I said, hey, I would like to pay for the food of that car that's following me there. She lit up. She said, oh, that's so cool. And she took my card back and, you know, she ran the bill. And then I said, when she handed my card back, I said, and here, would you please give this to the person in the car? And it was a kindness card. The kindness card simply has the word kindness on the front of it. And on the back it says, Something extra to show you that God loves you in great big type. And that it has our website. That's all it says. No names, no phone numbers. Just the website if somebody wants to follow up. We have packages of these. At least one for every family or couple. I don't know how many we have, but we might have one, enough for one for every person. And then we have more of the single cards, kindness and the witnessing cards that aren't packaged. Those are available as well. So I'm going to leave the single ones, Barb, out back on the table for people to pick up on their own. 
But the packaged ones I want to hand to people right now in just a second here, Tim. So hold on to those. Now, number three. It says in our text that the fields, which are people, are white for harvest. Stop doubting. Stop doubting your circumstances. We have no idea how much God has been working with somebody's heart, drawing them to himself. All they need is an opportunity for somebody to show them the love of God. So number one, turn your expector on. Lift your eyes in every circumstance of life. Be intentional. Number two, be intentional in your witness. Start your day by asking God to supernaturally lead you and guide you in your conversations and circumstances of that day for an opportunity to use one of these cards. Number three, realize God prepares the heart of the people. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. You don't have to break out the four spiritual laws. This doesn't have to take 10 minutes. This took 60 seconds at the window at the fast food place to leave a kindness card and bless somebody for me yesterday. 60 seconds. And number four, realize that there is sowing and reaping. Jesus, in these verses, talks about the difference between sowing and reaping, but says this, the heavens are open. You've got to realize that in your everyday circumstance, God is opening the heavens. So let's pray for guidance. Let's pray for open doors and realize in everything you do every day, there's an open heaven. Don't make it difficult and stop making it difficult for people to come to God. Amen? All right.